This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll My late teacher and rabbi, Rabbi Shalom Brat, whose yard site is on Yud Elul, would tell this story every year. During the month of Elul, a Magid, who was a traveling preacher, came to the town where Reb Shmuel Munkis lived. Now, if you don't know Reb Shmuel Munkis, amongst Chabad Hasidim, he's a famous and beloved Hasid. He was a Hasid of the Alter Rebbe, Reb Shner Zalman of Liadi, who was the founder of Chabad Hasidis. And Reb Shmuel, even though he was known for his sharp wit and Hasidic pranks and seemed to be a jokester, was actually a great tzaddik and a very serious Hasid. Now, just to give you an example of some of the things that Reb Shmuel would do, one day the Hasidim came to the Beit Midrash of the Alter Rebbe, the house of study of Reb Shner Zalman, and hanging outside the door of the Beit Midrash was Reb Shmuel Munkis, hanging upside down by his legs. And as the Hasidim were walking underneath Reb Shmuel, they would look up and say, Shmuel, what are you doing up there? And Shmuel said, you see down the street there, the barber, what does he have outside of his store? He has a pair of scissors. And over there, you see the shoemaker? What does he have outside of his store? He has a shoe. Because the barber cuts hair, and the shoemaker makes shoes. So since our Rebbe, Reb Shner Zalman, makes Hasidim, isn't it right that he should have a Hasid hanging outside the Beit Midrash? So you see what I mean, Hasidic pranks. So in the town, the Reb Shmuel lived, the Smagid came, it was the month of Elul, and the townspeople there, they saw the Magid's letter of introduction, and he was referred to as a great Tzaddik, who traveled from town to town solely for the purpose of arousing and inspiring Jews. And since the people there were God-fearing people, they were grateful that this Magid had come to speak and inspire them, especially during the month of Elul. When everybody is spending time getting ready for Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, and Simchat Torah. So the Magid was invited to the main shul, and all of the townspeople came, and they're sitting and waiting for the Magid to begin his speech. And over and over again, the Magid told the people what terrible sins they had done. His entire speech was filled with all kinds of accusations about the terrible things and the evil behavior that the townspeople had done, arousing Hashem's anger. If they would just repent and do tshuva, then they might have a chance that they'll be saved. And when the townspeople heard this, coming from a great tzaddik like this Magid, they were very bitter and they started crying. (laughs) Fearing the great punishment that was coming their way, and each person in their own way started doing tshuva as best as possible worried that Hashem would not accept their behavior, and everyone was a little scared and depressed after the talk, but they took it very seriously. And looking around at the audience, the Magid was very pleased with himself. He did what he came for. And so, he went to the little room in the inn that the community had arranged for him. And he was sitting there resting, feeling good about himself. And a little while later, there's a knock on the door. The Magid answers the door. And standing there, is Reb Shmuel Munkis. He says to the Magid, Great Tzaddik, 
Would it be possible if your honor allowed a simple chassid like me to come into your room and have a conversation with you? And the Maggid said, yes, of course, that's what I'm here for. I'll be happy to help you in your tshuva process. So Reb Shmuel is invited in, and he sits down on a chair. And when he walked in, he had his hands behind him, because he was holding a knife and a sharpening stone. And Reb Shmuel goes over to the door, closes it, and then bolts it. And without saying a word, Reb Shmuel sits down on his chair again, and begins sharpening his knife. It's quiet for a little bit, and the Magid is looking at Reb Shmuel and wondering what's going on here. And so the Magid says to Reb Shmuel, excuse me, Shmuel, what exactly are you doing with that knife and that sharpening stone? And Reb Shmuel, he just continued sharpening his knife, didn't even look up at the Magid. And he said, as the great Tzaddik knows, we're a town of very simple people. And maybe it's because of our unintentional sins that we merited to have such a great, righteous, and God-fearing tzaddik like you to come and teach us how to do tshuva, how to repent. And the Magid, he wasn't really sure what was going on here. What's the connection between this and sharpening a knife? So he said, yes, it's true. That's why I'm here. But tell me, Shmuel, what does me being here have to do anything with you sharpening a knife? And Reb Shmuel said, you know, we have a tradition in this community that was passed down from our parents, and that was passed down from their parents, that before Rosh Hashanah, a person is supposed to go pray by the grave of a tzaddik. In the meantime, Reb Shmuel continues sharpening his knife, and the Magid still isn't sure what the connection is here, so the Magid says, yes, that's true, but what does that have to do with the knife that you're sharpening there, Shmuel? And Reb Shmuel said, oh, that's very simple. You see, the nearest gravesite of a tzaddik is very far from our town. And it's very hard for people to get there. But nonetheless, some people make the very difficult journey. Erev Rosh Hashanah, the evening before Rosh Hashanah, in order to do the tradition of davening by the gravesite of a great tzaddik. In the meantime, he continued sharpening his knife. And the Magid starts moving around in his chair. He's sweating a little bit and he says, But still, Shmuel, I don't understand. What does that have to do with you sharpening your knife? And Reb Shmuel said, well, it's very simple, great tzaddik. I'm sharpening my knife because the people that live here, they want a big tzaddik buried in this town. And since you're such a great tzaddik, and I'm sure that you would happily give your life for the people that live here, I'm going to shecht you so that they can have a great tzaddik buried right here in our town. Now the Magid, hearing these words, he said, me? But I'm not a tzaddik. I've done some transgressions. And Reb Shmuel said, like what? He said, you know, sometimes I don't do my machonim, washing my hands after eating a meal, before I bench, before I say berkat amazon, the last blessing at the end of the meal. And Reb Shmuel says, that's a transgression? See, you are such a great tzaddik. For us, nobody even remembers to do my machonim. There you go. He continues sharpening his knife. And the maggot says, no, 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 you don't understand. I've done bigger transgressions than that. And so Shmuel stops for a minute and he says, oh, really? Like what? And he says something, whatever it was. And Reb Shmuel says, that you call a transgression? See, I told you you're a tzaddik. He said, come on, let's get on with it. And Reb Shmuel stands up. And the maggot said, no, I've done really serious transgressions. And he starts listing them for Reb Shmuel. And Reb Shmuel, he shrugs his shoulders and he says, you know what? Even though you did all those transgressions, for us, you're still a tzaddik. And that's good enough. And the Magid again, he said, I did even worse transgressions. 
And then it became worse transgressions. And every time, Reb Shmuel said, you're still acceptable to us. You're better than all of us. And when finally the Magid admitted to some very serious stuff, and that he wasn't a tzaddik, and that he wasn't even the person in the credentials that he claimed to be, in essence saying that he was a fake, Reb Shmuel, he was no simpleton, put his knife away. And he said to the Magid, you caused so much pain and sorrow from your words. After what you did to us, you are the one who needs to do tshuva. And after making sure that the Magid fully understood how one is to talk to and treat another Jew, Reb Shmuel opened the door <coughs> and let the Magid go on his way much wiser and more sensitive than before. One more short story for you, just because I like to tell them. Here's another story that Reb Shalom told. Once, Reb Shlomo Karlibach, of blessed memory, was flying to upstate New York for a concert, and sitting next to him on the plane was a non-Jewish man. The two of them got into a conversation, and the non-Jewish man told Reb Shlomo that he and about 40 families had separated from their church in order to form a community that really wanted to pray and learn together. And Reb Shlomo could see that this was a very special person. And a few minutes before they landed, he decided to share a little Torah insight with this man. So as Reb Shlomo used to say, you're always safer with the safer, since a safer means a book. He always had a holy book with him. And the safer that he had at that time was Beit Yaakov on the book of Bereshit, Genesis. And this is what he taught. He said, everyone knows the famous question, why does the Torah start with the word Bereshit? which is usually translated in the beginning. Wouldn't it be obvious that Hashem created the world in the beginning? And since the Torah doesn't have any unnecessary words or letters, why doesn't the Torah simply start off by saying, God created heaven and earth? And if somebody asked you, well, when did God create heaven and earth? You'd say, obviously, in the beginning. It turns out that there's an entire Kabbalah Sefer, the Tikkunei Zohar, in which there are 70 answers to this question alone. And the Beit Yaakov gives the following answer. And remember, this is a teaching from a rabbi who lived about 150 years ago. The Beit Yaakov said that the word Bereshit in the beginning wasn't meant to tell us that God created the universe, but rather the Torah is teaching us that Bereshit, with the power of renewal, bara lokim et ha-shamayim ve'et ha-aretz, that God created heaven and earth, meaning that God put the power of renewal into creation. And that's why when you're feeling down, if you go for a walk in the forest, 15 minutes later, you're going to find yourself feeling much better. That's because the power of renewal that Hashem put into creation is in nature itself. And so when you connect with nature, it refreshes you. And at this point, the plane landed, and Reb Shlomo and this man parted ways. And about three years later, Reb Shlomo was once again in upstate New York giving a concert. And he noticed that there was a very special couple with a young child sitting in the front row. And during the break, the couple came over to Reb Shlomo. And the woman said, I don't know if you remember my husband, but a few years ago, he was sitting next to you on a plane when we were flying to upstate New York. And you taught him a teaching from some rabbi who lived 150 years ago. And immediately, Reb Shlomo remembered who this person was. And the woman said, you should know that that teaching saved my husband's life. When I met my husband, he was a multimillionaire. And about six months later, something happened with his business, and he lost all of his money. And it was very hard for him to live with this. 
and he decided that he was going to kill himself. And you probably know my husband, he's very organized and methodical. So he had everything planned out. It was going to be on a specific day at 7.30 exactly at night. And at 7.15, my husband sat down at his desk at his study to write his last letter to us. And he finished the letter five minutes before 7.30. He signed it and put it in an envelope. And my husband, being a religious man, he always had a Bible on his desk. So there were a couple of minutes left, and he figured he'd take one last book in the Bible. He randomly opens it, and looking straight at him are the words, In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. And he remembered what you taught him. With the power of renewal, God created heaven and earth. And so my husband closed the Bible, came up to my room, and he said, You know, a few years ago I met a rabbi on a plane who taught me a teaching from a rabbi who lived about 150 years ago about the power of renewal, about starting again. Will you please help me start again? And so here we are, thank God. With all of our hearts, we came, Rabbi, to thank you. And a few years after hearing the story from Reb Shlomo, the story came up again in a conversation between Reb Shalom and Reb Shlomo. And Reb Shlomo said, smiling, You know, the Beit Yaakov probably knew that 150 years later, I would be sitting on a plane and sharing this Torah with somebody who needed his help, and that this teaching from the Beit Yaakov would save that man's life. I want to wish all of my listeners a Shana Tova Metuka, Ktiva Vechatima Tova, should be signed and sealed for a beautiful and sweet new year, a year of only revealed good, blessings, joy, health, Parnasa, and to be able to serve Hashem Basimcha. And during this month of Elul, may we take advantage of it with Simcha, with joy, to look at our deeds and what we've done to do tshuva on what we need to do tshuva, to forgive those that need to be forgiven, and to ask forgiveness 
from those who haven't forgiven us yet, and to come into the new year with open hearts and a dancing soul.